Welcome to Sleep Cues, the everything baby sleep podcast. I'm Erin, pediatric sleep consultant and founder of The Happy Sleep Company. From catnaps to night wakes and regressions to teething, we cover all things baby sleep. With a passion for children's sleep, we're here to help tired families get healthy rest. Hi everyone, welcome back to the podcast. It's Q&A Tuesday. I've pulled out some good ones, some really common questions that I get from capping naps to dealing with a difficult last nap of the day to dealing with grandma and grandpa. So let's dive in because we've got some good questions to answer today. So first one, mom DM'd me, I think this was on Instagram and asked, what do I do if my baby is fighting the last nap before bedtime? He's five months old. So great to know that he's five months old, but I think this answer can help lots of parents who are dealing with that difficult last nap before bedtime. I find it is especially difficult from sort of the newborn stage up to the stage where your baby drops down to two naps per day. So that's usually between seven and eight months. So from the newborn stage until seven or eight months, that last nap of the day, because it falls so close to bedtime, can be really tricky. Once your baby drops to two naps a day, I find it's a lot less tricky and you deal with this scenario a lot less often, which is really nice because there's just a lot more time between the last nap and bedtime. And so it's not as hard to figure out the difference, like what is a nap versus what is bedtime. So this mom is asking what to do if my five month old fights the last nap before bedtime. And my answer for any baby who's fighting their last nap before bedtime is at some point you gotta just go for a stroller nap. So I call those an emergency nap where you're at the point where you say, it's getting too late to have a nap. But if we don't get this nap in, then my baby is going to be really overtired when we put him to bed for the night. So at a certain point, I suggest that parents say, scrap the crib nap. We're having a really hard time with this nap. Let's go for a stroller ride. With my clients, I don't recommend that they feed and rock their baby to sleep to get them to have that last nap because when I'm working with families, we are working on removing what we call the sleep props and trying to avoid feeding and rocking to sleep so that baby is learning more independent sleep skills. But that doesn't mean that there aren't scenarios where we just need to get this baby some sleep some other way than in his crib because he's just not napping in his crib. So the last nap of the day is a good example of that where we might say at a certain point, We need to stop the nap attempt at home and just go for a nice long walk in the carrier or the stroller and get this baby some rest. What time of day you do that depends on your baby's age and their awake times. So for this scenario, this baby's five months old, so they are probably handling about two hours of awake time. So I don't want a five month old to go to bed any later than 8 p.m. So if your five month old is due for their nap around 4.30, five o'clock, and they're just not taking that nap in their crib, I would end the crib nap mission at that point and go straight to a carrier nap or a stroller nap around quarter to five, five o'clock, get your baby 30, 45 minutes of nap in there, and then do their couple of hours of awake time and their you know, 7 8 o'clock bedtime. So get that nap in, even if it's just a 30, 45 minute nap in the carrier while you have a stroll and relax or the stroller while you walk around your neighborhood and get some fresh air. That way your baby gets a little cat nap, gets rested up, isn't overtired by bedtime, and you can preserve a proper bedtime by making sure they're awake an age appropriate amount of time before they need to be going to bed for the night. So that's what I would do with that difficult last nap of the day. In a similar age group, we had a question about capping naps for a five month old. 
And so the question was, should you cap naps for a five-month-old? There are certain ages where, yes, I do cap naps. So what do we mean by capping naps? We're talking about making sure that your baby doesn't nap longer than a certain amount of time to preserve a proper daytime schedule. And there are a few specific ages where I talk to clients and parents about that. Newborns, newborns can nap like three hours and that's okay. And I wouldn't cap a nap any shorter than that for a newborn. They can have nice big long naps. Even four, four and a half months, we can be napping around two hours. When you're getting into the five, six, seven month mark, a really common challenge that I see parents have is that if they let their baby nap too long in the morning, they end up with this tricky, awkward timing at the end of the day where they don't really have time left for a third nap in the day, but they needed that third nap and they have too much time before bedtime without it and their baby's overtired and cranky by bedtime without that third nap. So often around that five, six, seven month mark, I do recommend capping the morning and midday nap a little shorter, maybe around an hour and a half. If you were previously letting your baby nap two or three hours, now we're capping it a little shorter so that we can fit in a third nap in the day and avoid that awkward timing before bedtime or too much awake time before bed. So that might be an age where we cap naps. Another common age to start capping naps is around 11, 12 months when your baby still needs two naps in the day, But if you don't cap the morning nap a little shorter than you used to, they're not tired enough for their afternoon nap and they protest it and avoid it. And then they're overtired by bedtime. They're not quite ready at that age to go down to just one nap per day. But if you let the morning nap go on too long, they're not tired enough for the second nap. So that would be another age where I might start capping the morning nap a little shorter than you had been to preserve enough what we call sleep pressure for that second nap of the day. We have a four to eight month sleep guide and an 11 to 18 month sleep guide at thehappysleepcompany.com. And those guides are really about what we're talking about right now, which is tweaking scheduling, proper awake times, when you might need to wake your child a little earlier in the morning or start capping naps at certain specific ages where you're just trying to coordinate your baby's schedule a little bit more than you did when they were, say, a newborn. So you can check out that if you're having any troubles with scheduling or you need some some more information on those tweaks. You can check out thehappysleepcompany.com and the sleep guides that are there. They might be very helpful to you. We also have a podcast episode on sleep pressure. And so check that out if you're wondering more about sleep pressure and how we create that. The next question that I pulled out for today was how to get grandparents on board with putting a baby down awake. We've done a lot of work to teach our baby independent sleep skills, but grandma and grandpa just want to rock him to sleep. So the best thing you can do is have that conversation with your own parents, with your baby's grandparents. If you've done a lot of work to get your baby good sleep skills, to get your baby sleeping through the night, to get your baby taking longer naps, your parents are likely to understand how much work that was for you, how rewarding that is for you and your baby to be getting all that good rest. And if you have that honest conversation with them, they're not going to want to mess that up for you. You know, you're going to tell them we were so tired. We were so exhausted. We were getting up three times at night. It was taking us two hours to get our baby to go to bed at bedtime. He would only ever have a 30 minute nap and then be awake again and cranky. And now We've done this work. We've taught him how to go into the crib awake. And so he also knows how to go back to sleep on his own when he wakes up in the night. And we want him to keep that up because it's good for him and it's good for us. And if you start rocking him to sleep when you're taking care of him, 
he may unlearn that and it might make it a lot more difficult for us. The grandparents are likely to be on board because it also makes it easier for them. While the notion of rocking their grandchild to sleep might seem great, if their grandchild has a really hard time falling asleep in their arms, if their grandchild subsequently starts waking up a whole bunch at night when the grandparents are taking care of him, and you explain to them that's because you're rocking him to sleep and he's losing that ability to go to sleep on his own, they're not going to want to get up in the middle of the night either. They're not going to want their grandchild to only take a 20-minute nap. So they're likely to listen to what you have to say and be on board with those steps. So have that conversation is the best piece of advice about that. Trust me, I know. I am a parent and I am a parent who has two sets of grandparents who wanted to just cuddle and snuggle their first grandchild, which is my child, you know, to the ends of the earth. And they didn't want to have to put her down for naps or if they did, they didn't want to have to put her down awake. They wanted to do the rocking to sleep or sleeping on them. But when they saw the toll it was taking on us that she couldn't sleep independently and then the great changes that came from her learning to sleep independently, they really understood that. So having that conversation can go a really long way. The next question that I pulled out for today's Q&A session on sleep cues was, when can you drop overnight feeds? This is a really different question for really different babies, but we'll tackle it. Usually when we work with families, we see very commonly that a child who is over four months of age and a healthy weight is fine to do the night without a feed. But it's a good question to ask your doctor before you get started, to have a weight check-in before you get started with sleep coaching, chat with your doctor or pediatrician, ask for their thoughts on your child's weight, talk about their growth curve, and remember the importance of the curve and what that means to your child. Just because a child is a lower weight doesn't mean they're not on a proper curve. The growth curve is about your individual child growing at a proper rate for them. So. Your child might be a very healthy weight, but be low, a low percentage on the growth curve. If they've always been in that 15th percentile on the growth curve, then they're following their curve and that's a good thing. If your child has always been at the 80th percent on the growth curve and then suddenly in their most recent visit to the doctor, they have dropped to the 15th percentile on the curve, that's a big drop. And your doctor is likely having that conversation with you about something that might be going on with your child's weight or growth. But if your child's following their curve and they're a healthy weight and they're over about four months of age, they're generally able to go the night without a feed. If they do still need one feed though, also remember that that's okay. If you want to do sleep coaching and teach your baby independent sleep skills and get great sleep for yourself, but your child is still at an age or a weight where they need an overnight feed, that's okay too. You can teach your child independent sleep skills and still keep an overnight feed if they are at an age and weight where they still need that. If you get to an age and weight where your baby definitely doesn't need an overnight feed, and nutritionally speaking, but you're still keeping one, that's where we often call that a sleep prop or a sleep crutch. And your baby doesn't need it for food, for nutrition anymore, but they need it in order to get back to sleep. And that is often where we are removing that crutch and teaching your baby how to go back to sleep independently in every scenario so that they can, that can become very consistent for them and they know how to do that in every scenario. If we keep an overnight feed at an age and a weight where a baby doesn't need it from a nutritional perspective, then we're just keeping a crutch and the goal of sleep coaching is to remove the crutches. So we have to keep that in mind too. So best thing to do, best place to start is with a weigh-in at your doctor and a check on where your baby's at with their growth curve and a talk to them about it. And then we can also help too with guiding you along the way towards 
where is your baby at with their weight? Where are they at on the growth curve? What is their age? What in our experience is appropriate in terms of removing those overnight feeds? Do we remove them all? Do we keep one and go from there and decide on a sleep coaching plan that makes sense for your family based on that? And the final question that we'll cover for today, is it better to do one long nap earlier in the day or the long nap later in the day? This is an interesting question because you don't always get to decide this as a parent. You know, sometimes your baby is just going to pick which nap of the day they're going to have the longest one for, and that's just going to be it. You can't just decide you will have a long nap in the morning, baby, because baby might then wake up 40 minutes into their nap and they've already decided for you that that is not going to be their long nap today. However, if your baby is consistently having some longer naps, especially in those younger months, and you're wondering, is it better to do that long nap in the morning or later in the day? I would say that generally the first nap of the day really sets the tone for the rest of the day. So if you're going to let your baby have a nice long nap and you're going to be capping some of the other ones, I would let them have their nice long nap first thing in the morning to set a good tone, a rested tone for the rest of the day so you don't have a cranky baby on your hands for the rest of the day. And then if they're going to have a shorter nap, have it later in the day. It's a similar answer that I give when parents want to be on the go and want to be out for some stroller naps or some carrier naps and ask me when is the best time of day to do that. I always say try to have the first nap of the day at home in the crib and make it one of the other naps, the later naps in the day that's on the go because the first nap of the day sets the tone for the rest of the day. And also most babies have shorter naps later in the day. If your baby is going to have a longer nap, it is often the first nap of the day. And if they're going to have a more difficult or a shorter nap, it's often one of the latter naps of the day because they've had a day to get a bit overstimulated, a bit tired, a bit cranky, and it gets hard to go into and stay in a nice deep restful sleep for their later naps in the day. So they're often short anyway. So if you know a nap might get a bit messed up by meeting a friend for a coffee and having a stroll or going to get your groceries and your baby might fall asleep on the way home, make that later in the day so that if the nap gets cut short, it probably would have been a short one at home anyway. So we're not really messing with what would have been a really good, strong nap. Keep those for the first nap of the day. So lots of questions about naps today. I hope that was helpful. Naps are so crucial to your baby's overall healthy sleep. Don't discount naps. Try to keep those going. Persevere if you're struggling with naps. Feel free to reach out. We do offer free 20-minute phone consultations. So go to thehappysleepcompany.com and you can sign up for one of those and we can chat if you're struggling with naps because sleep really does beget sleep. So the better rested your baby is during the day, generally the better they're going to sleep at night. Um, So we really want to concentrate on those naps and try to get all that good, healthy daytime rest. It's really good restorative sleep for your baby. Have a great week, everybody. Stay rested. Thanks for listening to Sleep Cues, the Everything Baby Sleep Podcast. If you enjoyed this episode, please subscribe, leave a review, and share this episode with a mom or dad who might need some rest. Connect with us on Instagram at The Happy Sleep Company, and check out our website, thehappysleepcompany.com, for loads of blogs, sleep guides, and information about how we work with families one-on-one to get sleep on track.